This is Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. We're in Mark chapter 10 today, and we got a lot to do, so we're just going to jump Let's right in. Let's get right at it. Uh, so verse 1, today, Wednesday, February 22nd. Then Jesus left Capernaum and went southward to the region of Judea and into the area east of the Jordan River. As always, there were the crowds, and as usual, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? What did Moses say about divorce, Jesus asked them. Well, he permitted it, they replied. He said a man merely has to write his wife an official letter of divorce and send her away. Now, they were minimizing what Moses said because he didn't say merely. They just said that he was, would mo- the, the law was protecting women because in other cultures surrounding Israel, women were not protected in any way. A man could just kick her out of the house and she had no means to... Uh, to make any money for herself and could not, was not permitted to marry others because she'd been already been with a man. So under the law of Moses, that gave her the freedom when she was divorced that she could then marry another man. And this actually kept from prostitution rising within the, within the country because prostitution would have been the only choice that they had. Women did not have many options yeah. for their own income. Verse five, but Jesus responded, he wrote those instructions only as a concession to your hard-hearted wickedness. But God's plan was seen from the beginning of creation that he made them male and female, which he, God, God is the one who makes us male. God is the one who makes us female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one since they are no longer two, but one. Let no one separate them for God has joined them together. So he's saying, no, the divorce is not, not permitted. Later, when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again. He told them, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. So that in God's eyes, you're actually still attached to that woman, and that's why you're committing adultery. And if a woman divorces her husband and remarries, she commits adultery. And this is pretty strong sayings. Now, what we don't have here in this passage, but we do in the Matthew passage, again, because they don't include everything that was in the, the, in the written record. They don't include everything that was said. There's no way that they could. But in the Matthew passage, Matthew points out that Jesus said, except for the case of adultery, that if there's sexual sin that's been committed, that does allow for divorce. But, but he takes it, the, the marriage vows very seriously. I, mm. I feel that it was my generation, actually, because divorce became so quick and easy in the 60s, when a lot of these changes started taking place in the 60s and sexual 70s, it just became rampant. The sexual revolution brought along a lot of yeah. this. But um, so what has happened is we, even in the church now, we look so lightly upon divorce, but God does not. Mm-hmm. That his expectation is, and this is this is one of the things that for for your mom and I, one of the things that we, we had very little going for us when we got married. But two of the things that we had going for us is we were absolutely committed to wanting to please God. But secondly, we believed in the permanence of marriage and that we were going to make this work no matter what. And when you allow yourself that out, thinking, well, divorce is always a possibility, that's, you're going to wind up taking that easy way out because there's always going to be hard times when yeah. it comes to that relationship. Yeah. All right, verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could tor- uh, touch them and bless them. But the disciples told them not to bother him. Yesterday we talked about how children were viewed in that culture, yeah. and Jesus was changing. You can't blame that. the disciples here; they are kind of doing their job. Yeah, well, they, they, they're they were crowd control. Yeah, yeah. But when Jesus saw what was happening, he was very displeased with his disciples. He said to them, "Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these." And I assure you, anyone who doesn't have their kind of faith will never get into the kingdom of God. <laughs> He's saying, listen, disciples, you need to become more like the children. And then he took the children 
into his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. And he was starting out with a trip. Uh, as he was starting on a trip, a man came running up to Jesus, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what should I do to, inter- in, to get eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But as for your question, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely, do not cheat, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was a child, which just is not true. If he had paid attention to Jesus' teaching, he was talking. Jesus has already taught a lot about how it's the spirit of these laws that we break all the time. Right. And It's and interesting, it, though, that Jesus doesn't argue with him on that. Instead, Jesus just gets to the point, and he puts his finger right on the problem. I think, I think what he does, he goes, goes directly to where that man's greatest idol was because, yeah, yeah he could have argued with him here, but he, he just goes right after his major idol. Verse 21, Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. You lack only one thing, he told him. Go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went, went sadly away because he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for rich people to get into the kingdom of God. By the way, this is us because that rich man isn't nearly as rich as you are. <laughs> right. Yep. And uh, so anybody listening to this, you, you, you have way more money than this rich man here. You have way more stuff than this rich man. He would have traded everything he had to get what you have. You'd trade so, everything he had just to have the phone you have in your hand right now to listen to this. Exactly. <laughs> and so we need to take this personally. When Jesus says this, in verse 24, Jesus said, again, dear children, it's very hard to get into the kingdom of God. Because when we're holding on to that wealth, it's like, well, man, that becomes our idol. And then verse 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of, of God. And the disciples were astounded. Then who, can, who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. Because, you know, the stuff of this world, it has a hold on us. It is impossible, humanly speaking, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. When he comes along and he changes our heart and brings us to the place of repentance and we grab onto him and hold onto him, that's how we are saved. Otherwise, in our flesh, it would be impossible. Why don't you take over in verse 28, Junior? Yeah, then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. And so, in fact, that's a great place for us to stop. That uh, We're going to pick up this chapter tomorrow because it is such a long chapter. It is. But um, Jesus' whole point here again is we should be living for eternity. It, it's, it's eternity that matters and what a way, you know, what what a way for us to move into Proverbs and then, and then be thinking about, you know, the rest of our day because yeah. as you're on your way to work or whatever you've got going on today and what you've got going on right now, ask yourself this, what am I going to do right now? What am I going to do today? What am I going to do while I'm at work or when I'm with my kids or family and, and whatever at school? What am I going to do right now that's going to make a difference in eternity? Because those are the things that are going to matter most. Yeah, too many of us waste our days. 
Well, Proverbs chapter 22 is the corresponding chapter for today. And verse three is the verse that we're picking out. And again, we hope that you read the whole chapter of, of these Proverbs, but we just wanted to read one, one verse that stuck out to us. In verse three, it says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Oh man, and this Proverbs is all about the difference between the, a wise person and a foolish person. And he recalls the wise person, a prudent person, and the foolish person is the simpleton. That if we truly want to do the right thing, and if we really want to have wisdom and make good choices, we can. Yeah. It's, it's just about the, the foolish person essentially is the person that goes by their feelings. They do what they feel like doing. Mm-hmm. And the wise person is the one who takes some time thinking through God's principles. What are some biblical principles that fit into this? They get advice and they make good decisions. And if you're a simpleton, if you live your life based on your feelings, you eat when you feel like eating, you go to sleep when you feel like going to sleep, you have sex when you feel horny, you know, whatever it is, you just live based on your feelings like the animal world does, you're going to mess up your life in a big way. And so he says, be wise, be prudent, see what is ahead and make decisions based on that. So good. Hey, go make an eternal impact today. You were designed for it. So go do it today. Make it a good one, and we'll see you tomorrow.